Despite the media focus on COVID-19, America's opioid crisis has continued with increases in addiction and death. Here with the story, InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Our guest today from Mayo Clinic is Dr. Tyler Osterley, a psychiatric addiction expert. Doctor, how can we recognize when someone that we love or care for is struggling with substance abuse? Sometimes it's very obvious. If a loved one is using heroin off the street and having a lot of trouble with the law, injecting opioids and having instances of overdose, some of the more subtle signs that folks could look for are excessive use of opioids or using opioids at times when it's not clear why they might need to have the opioid. Rather than for specific pain, they're using it preemptively to prevent maybe some future pain that they might anticipate, using it for reasons other than what it was prescribed for. So using to help manage emotions or when they're feeling stressed. Changes in behavior are also some of the more subtle signs. Sometimes these folks can look very elated and it can be unclear why they're so happy. Then they'll, within hours, sometimes multiple times a day, they'll go from being very excited to very sad or very miserable or very irritable. There's also sometimes changes in sleep patterns that can be a bit more subtle and changes in priorities in their lives. They start prioritizing their use of the opioid over everything else. Those are some of the more subtle things. We've seen a number of news reports that overdose rates are skyrocketing during COVID-19. What do you see as some of the factors associated with that? I think it's multifactorial. The true causes and the reasons for all of this, I think, will become more clear over time. But we can make some educated guesses on what might be the cause of these overdoses. We know that folks are under a significant amount of stress. COVID-19 is a stressful time. Individuals are out of work. They're dealing with mass and social isolation. And so they're unable to get their normal support network up and running. So these types of stressors and isolation we know in addiction lead to more use of an addictive substance because the addictive substance becomes a bit of a coping strategy for folks. So in treatments, we try to get folks together. We try to get a community of folks to support each other in recovery. That's been difficult during COVID-19 because groups are not really allowed. They're not really encouraged anyway. So it's difficult then to get a group of folks that are interested in staying in recovery and wanting to support each other in recovery. There's been some interesting things that have been done virtually to help support the self-help community. There's been a lot of work that we've done to support virtual formal chemical dependency treatment. And those modalities work well. We know they work well. They can work as good as face-to-face appointments, but people are reluctant, I think, at times to try them. They're put off a little bit by their first few interactions because it's new and it's difficult to socialize somewhat virtually when you're just getting used to it. I would also say that we know that as folks are using more in isolation, they are less likely to have somebody there that could provide a life-saving measure like naloxone and that leads to more complex use or more dangerous use as well. Let's move on to treatment options. When you see a patient struggling with a substance use disorder, where do you start? 
The classic treatment option are group-based therapies where folks come together, as I mentioned before, they come together and they work on strategies and work on support to help them maintain sobriety and get into what we call recovery, which is a state in which they're actively kind of managing the illness and treating the illness on a regular basis and that the illness isn't active in their life, that they're not using. These types of chemical dependency treatment programs have been around for a long time, and that approach has been around for a long time and been very effective. But we know that there's a lot of folks that don't get enough out of that in order to maintain sobriety. There's a large physical component to these addictions, and we know medicines can help with that physical component. And so there's three very good FDA-approved medication options to treat opioid use disorder as well. And we typically recommend that folks consider doing both, that they do the psychological interventions along with the medical interventions. Dr. Tyler Osterley, a psychiatrist and addiction expert at the Mayo Clinic. Thanks so much for joining us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. That's it for another weekly installment of InfoTrack. Special thanks this week to InfoTrack contributors Gina Tedesco and Roy Mackey. Our executive producer is Randy Meyer, and I'm Chris Whitting. Thanks for joining us. We hope you'll be with us next time for another edition of InfoTrack.